The last two weeks, we've been in this series called The Ripple Effect, and a series is simply we just kind of take a topic and we look at the Bible and we try to figure out what does God have to say to us about that and what can we learn. And the ripple effect is really important that we lean into that because it's how God designed the world to work. There are ripples. There's influence. You're created. You're gifted with influence, and we're impacted. And so the question we've been asking is, you, do you want to live to make a splash or do you want to live to make a ripple? Making a split, splash is all about being noticed. It's all about me. It's all about what, how does this do something for me in this moment? But the ripple is to think beyond yourself. It's to think of others. It's to think beyond today, to think of the long-term impact. Really, it's to think about the global, uh, much even further than that, the God impact and the God influence of what he's doing in the world. What we've been saying is don't settle for the splash. The ripple effect is defi- de- defined this way. It's a spreading series of effects or consequences caused by a single event one of the reasons we don't lead into the ripple effect is we think what good can i do i mean and we look at big impacts and we think well i could never do that usually you're not called to do that you're called to say one word take one step say one no say one yes whatever it is there's one single event that creates a spreading series of events or consequences Sometimes it's one small act that over time where God, the great multiplier, multiplies the ripples as they go on and on and on. You have influence and God designed you that way and wants you to be part of what he's doing in the world. It's his ripple. It's his story. It's his mission and he's on a mission, but he wants you to be part of it. You play a very strategic, and actually you play a very unique role. Many of us don't think that this is really about us. It's about somebody else. No, every single one of you has a unique role to play with what God's doing in the world. You are different. Now, now I've been told that a few times, not always in the best of ways, but the reality is, I I want to tell you today, you are different. You are unique. Like they say that there's no, uh, back in the 1800s, they realized you could identify who committed a crime if you could find fingerprints. Now, we're used to that because we've seen it on TV and that's a big deal and they brush for prints and all that stuff. Like back in the 1800s, they didn't know that until this one guy said, hey, you know what? I, I, I wonder if there's some invisible like ridges because I can see some stuff in my hand and I look at it close under a magnifying glass, it looks bigger. Let's start looking into that. Suddenly they discover everyone has this unique fingerprint. And then if you can find that, you can find the person. We are created so uniquely. And your difference makes a difference. How God created you unique goes far beyond fingerprints. I believe God has a unique plan for each and every person's life. uh, Step one is to get into a relationship with God and then say, God, what's your plan for me? You have a unique story. And I love stories. Stories are powerful. I love reading biographies. Last night I was walking, watching a documentary. I don't want to tell you what it was because you'd think less of me. But I, I, love, I love biographies. I love documentaries. And I, I've been reading a lot lately about Brian Wilson. I have for a long time. I'm fascinated with Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, just his incredible musical genius and a really sad story of his life. I'm fascinated with him. Uh, I, I've been reading a lot this summer about Charles Dickens because I'm a big uh, fan of A Christmas Carol every December. And the more I started pulling on the thread of who is Charles Dickens, I became fascinated with his story. And I've read, of course, a lot about Winston Churchill. I've said that before. I actually read uh, about a serial killer recently. I'm not trying to emulate his life at all. I'm just saying, like, I just find stories fascinating. I love stories. 
And the danger when I read a story of somebody I admire in a biography or I hear a story of someone I admire, even just in a, in, in a, a documentary or a, a little anecdote, and I go, wow, that's amazing. Sometimes I look more at their story than I do at my own. That's their story. It can teach me, it can inspire me, it can be challenge me, but the danger is living out somebody else's story. The real danger is never discovering yours, that you have a unique story. The good news is God has a unique story just for you, planned just for you. And knowing your story isn't just about making a splash. It isn't just about writing a great documentary or having a great biography one day. It's about doing something that means something and makes a difference. And knowing your difference is incredibly important discovering God's plans for your life. How do you find God's unique plan for how he wants to use you and your unique gifting? It's that word unique is so critical. You know, we did this a couple weeks ago with the ripple effect to talk about this huge ripple of, of what God started at creation and then what we kind of created our own little splash of making really bad choices on page three of the Bible. And suddenly this devastating ripple of the consequences of sin is just wreaking havoc on our world and our lives. But then God says, no, my ripple's better. My ripple's bigger. I'm on a mission and I will set things right. And from that point on, God's on this mission and he invites other people to be part of it. Well, if you back back, uh, back uh, up a little bit to the ori original page one, God creates the world. He says, it's good. Page two, God says, I create you and it's very good. Like he distinguishes it from everything else he made. Like you're better than a palm tree and beaches. You're great. You're very good. Very good. God takes great pride and interest in helping you be uniquely you. Psalm 139 says this, for you created, there was initiative there, my inmost being, you knit me together. There was an investment there in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I didn't fearfully and wonderfully just happen. I'm made by the God of the universe who said, I knit, I created there's something I've done intentionally with you. Ephesians 2.10, this is how Paul talks about it. For we are God's handiwork. The Greek word is poema. It means it's like a work of art. It's like a handcrafted sculpture. It literally means that which has been made or a work of art. Not that which just happened. You were made with an individual intentionality from your creator. And what, you were created on purpose, but you were created with purpose, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. On purpose, with purpose. And God prepared an advance for us to do. God didn't create you and go, great, now what am I gonna do with this, this guy, Doug? Like, what am I gonna do with him now? No, before this guy, Doug, ever showed up, God said, I've got plans. I need a Doug. All you need is Doug, right? Like, <laughs> no, you don't need that. But there's something unique for me. There's something unique for you. Wouldn't it be sad if you missed it? So here's, here's the, let's go back to this. Your, God's fingerprints on you are his clues about his plans for you. Like your uniqueness. Now this could have been used against really the rest of my life when I was younger. I am painfully shy. 
I am an introvert. I don't like talking in front of people. And for those online, there's a room full of people I'm talking in front of right now. Like, what in the world? Early on in my life, if I had looked at God's fingerprints on me, I would have said introvert, shy, doesn't like speaking in front of people. I would have really eliminated a significant path for my life. But suddenly along the way, I'm surprised that God took someone who is this by design. I mean, I don't think I'm an introvert on accident. I think God did that on purpose. I don't think I'm shy. But there's something there where God said, no, but I'm going to do something in your life that's going to leave my fingerprints to help you discover your plan and find your contribution to what I'm doing. And you can't really take the credit for it (laughs) because you know it's not in you. Like that all happened for me. Here's what happens for some of us. We look at God's fingerprints on our life or the world's fingerprints on our life or somebody else's fingerprints on our life and think, oh, well, that mistake or what that happened there or because of how I feel or because of how someone else feels or because of this that happened. We look at those fingerprints in our life and we think, God can't use me. God can use anything and everything that's ever happened to you, been done by you for his good purposes. But it's what he does in you and through you that will be the ultimate clue. So you can't just kind of casually glance over and go, oh, I know God's plans for me. I'm an introvert, I'm shy, and I don't like talking in front of people. I could never be a pastor. I could never stand in front of a bunch of hockey players and say, hey, you guys should participate in a chapel program. I did that for 10 years. Like, that, that was, just wasn't in me until God put it in me, until his fingerprints showed up on me. And that will be the same case for you too. This isn't just for pastors and missionaries. It's for all his creation, all of it. And his fingerprints on you are his clues about his plans for you. You know, one day Jesus was telling this story and, and we did a series called Parables this summer and we skipped over this when I saved it for a year. But in Matthew 25, Jesus tells this story about this guy who had some money and he was going out of town. So he asked the people that worked for him, three of them to hold on to some of his money. And he gave one guy five bags of gold and one guy two bags of gold and one guy one bag of gold and then he went away and when he came back, the guy who had five bags of gold didn't just hang on to the money, like he leveraged it. And the boss told him, put this to work, like do something with it. So the guy that had five bags of gold turned it into 10, doubled his pro, uh, the guy's money. And then the other guy who had two bags of gold, he did the same thing. I don't know what they were doing, but I, I, I hope it wasn't shady, but they did something and they doubled the money. Went from two bags to four bags. Then the third guy, he was given one bag And he said, you know, I know how you are as a boss and you're not always the nicest guy. Sometimes you can be pretty hard and and difficult. And and so I was afraid of what you would do. So I just decided to bury it so I wouldn't lose it. I didn't trust myself. I didn't want any risky investments. So here's your money back. You didn't lose anything. And then for each of the first two people, he commended. And the third guy, he goes, what are you doing? I gave you this to put it to use. So the first two people who actually put it to use and, 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 and made an impact with their money, he said this, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And then there's an important thing he says here, you've been faithful with a few things, I'll put you in charge of many things. Like what has God gifted you? And what are you doing with it? And if it seems small, starting small is the best way to start. Because the bigger the step, the more intimidating it is. But sometimes it's a very simple, small step 
It's one word. It's one step. It's one choice. When you're faithful with little things, he'll put you in charge of many things. It's the little big principle. If whatever God's giving you now, be faithful with it. And eventually he might be, allow you to be faithful with more. I told my kids that this week. Hey, I'll trust you with more when I say I can trust you with what you have now. They didn't listen then. They're not listening now. <laughs> um, the thing about gifts, it's, it's kind of interesting. So I found out, uh, I guess it was last week, week before last, I have an inheritance that I received from my great, great grandmother, Barbara Ann Mabry from Pond Creek, Oklahoma. My parents are selling their house and moving to a new house. And so they're kind of trying to get, get rid of some stuff and turns out they've been sitting on something that belonged to me and I didn't even know it. And, and uh, I, I get it and I look at it and there's a note and it's when they were kind of distributing this different stuff and it had my great, great grandmother's name and then it was handed down to my great grandmother and then there's nobody's name after that and it skips all the way to me. And I'm like, wow. So they saw this and they thought, this belongs to Doug. Like he, he, let's skip his, his grandpa, let's skip his grandma, let's skip his parents. This goes straight to Doug. You know what they left me? It's two little trays. It's one for pickles and one for celery. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, okay. Now I do admit at Thanksgiving meal, I like the little relish tray, but I've never made a big deal of that. And I'm like, I want to kind of say, what do the other people get? Like, like uh, what, what did y'all get? But here's the thing. You know what I'm going to do with that thing? Because it's so old, I probably won't use it. I, I, I might, but I probably won't use it. I'll probably put it in the china cabinet and, or put it away because I want to be real careful with it because it's so old. Like, I don't know if I've ever really known much about my great-great-grandmother. I actually met my great-grandmother for a, up until about, so about five or six, but I never met her parents, her mom. So I want to keep it, be really careful with it. And I think sometimes there's, there's one of two things that happens. One, we don't understand what God's given us. Or we, we, we think he's given us something, but we don't know what to do with it. So I, I, I don't know what to do with it. So I'll just either ignore it. Or I'll stick it over here. Well, it didn't go so well for the guy in this story. <laughs> like Jesus didn't like when someone did nothing with what they've been given. But I think for some of us, we just don't know what we have. I didn't know I had this inheritance for a long time. I mean, you don't know my great-great-grandmother, but she hadn't been around for a while. So, and, and she didn't leave it to me. It was actually my great-grandmother who had it, and I don't know how it got into my hands. But somewhere along the way, somebody made that decision a long time ago, but I never knew I had this. Like, I think you have gifts. You have abilities. You have influence. You have a history that God's given you that's unique to you that you're not doing anything with. And sometimes all you have to do is get started. Here's what Zechariah said. God, do not despise the small beginnings for the Lord just rejoices to see it begin. Like just get started. Do something. So how do you know what to do? Well, God's fingerprints on you are clues to his plans for you. Find your gifting. Grow it, know it, develop it. Here's what Paul told Timothy. He said, look, Timothy, I want you to do this. Do not neglect your gift. So I guess Timothy knew it. So he said, now that you know it, don't neglect it. Do something with it. He, he said this in another letter to Timothy. He said, 
For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God. What God's given you, it's like a flame. It needs some attention. Don't let the fire go out. Pay attention to your gifting. Know it and grow it. That's what I want you to do this week. Your mission is to know it and grow it for both yourself and for others. You know how I really understood God's fingerprints on me best? Somebody else identified it. Sometimes someone from the outside looking in can see something. I see something there going on in your life. I can see how God's using you. And again, I want to remind you, this is for each and every one of you. Do not discredit yourself because you're too young, you're too old. You're too busy. Like, don't miss out on this. So the question is, well, how do we do, how do we know it? How do we grow it? How do we identify it? Here's a tool we've used at Live Oak before. I want to share with you again. It's this acronym SHAPE. The first one stands for spiritual gifts. These aren't things you're born with, natural abilities. Although I would say even your natural abilities are spiritual gifts because he knit you together in your mother's womb. But I can tell you for a fact, some of my spiritual gifts happened after I started following Jesus. It's his, it's Christ in me. It's his Holy Spirit. And he showed up bearing gifts. He showed up with gifts. So I've got these gifts that showed up because Christ was present in my life. There's two places that kind of give a longer list of spiritual gifts in the Bible. One is Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. One is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11. There are other gifts mentioned in other places, but there's never one complete exhaustive list. Because I think sometimes God says, well, we need a special gift right here, or we need something right here. But there's usually some themes of some major gifts that you can look up. And the thing about a gift that you need to understand is when God gives a gift to you, and the whole point of the ripples, it's not for you. I remember when we were getting married, and as an only child, I'd never experienced this uh, with gifts before, but we were at a wedding shower, and Jennifer opened something and said, oh, look what we got. I always pay attention to pronouns. Like, I just, I think you can learn a lot from people's use of pronouns. And I was like, look what we got. I've never heard that with a gift before. As an only child, that's a whole new world. To quote Ariel, like, that's a whole new world. Like, no, Aladdin, I'm sorry. I've, <laughs> that really isn't that important, but what Disney song that's from, but it was a whole new world. Like suddenly I never thought about gifts that before, but that's the thing about spiritual gifts. It's not what you got. If you discover how you're gifted, look what we got. It's something to be put into play in God's mission and how we all fit together. God gives gifts to his people. Then he gives his people his gifts. That's what he wants to do in you. The question is, do you know it? Are you trying? I spent, right now, like it's getting to be close to that time of year, I'll spend a lot of time invested in my fantasy hockey team as a general manager. It's a very, it's not my high calling in life, but it's a, like I'm a three-time champion. I can't just slack, right? Like I'll spend a lot of time there. But am I spending time is it showing up on my radar to figure out about my gifting? Like, I think I, I, I know it. But am I trying to help you know it? Am I looking at the people around me, helping them? Am I developing it and growing it? So the first thing is spiritual gifts. The next thing is the word heart, which, which represents passion. Like, what are you passionate about? What breaks your heart? What catches your eye? What is it that you start talking about it and you start talking a little faster? Or you start looking into it a little bit more. 
really it's a heart for what God's doing and where you have this almost, and anytime you feel something like that with, you identify a gift or a passion, like it's not just a clue to his plans for you, it's a cue that God's inviting you into what he's doing. If you're passionate about it. Now, I've not yet figured out how to turn fantasy hockey into a ministry. That's not the kind of passion we're talking about. But I, there are certain things in this world that suddenly I'm like, I, I feel like I need to involve, be involved in that. And one of them for me was a decade be involved in hockey ministry. Like, I was like, I can't skate. I've never played hockey. I'm from Texas. But I was on staff with hockey ministries for a decade because I had this passion for this unreached people group and thought, boy, there's sports, there's chaplain activity and all these other sports. Why isn't that happening in hockey? That passion was a, a cue for me to get involved. And it was a clue for his calling on my life. And then the next one, A, start saying it's for abilities. Abilities are skills. Skills can be learned. Skills can be grown. So the question with ability, abilities is what skills do you already have? Or do you have the aptitude, the ability to have that could be used with God's great purposes in the world? To be used to be part of the ripple, to make a difference. What do you do well? Or what could you do well? The, the P stands for personality. That's helpful. But like I said, I'm shy and an introvert. But God put me for the last 25, 30 years around people-oriented stuff. So you have to be careful with personality. But you have to be you. You can't be somebody else. You have to pay attention to your unique wiring of personality, not just because it's what God will use, but it's also how you live each and every day. The last one stands for experiences. The E stands for experiences, which is our history. All of it. There are parts of my history I'm not that proud of. And God says, you know what? I can even use that one. There are things that have happened to me over the years that I didn't like. I don't like thinking about it, but God says, I can use that. God does not waste any of it. He uses anything, everything. He uses it all, both good and bad, for his good purposes. And your experiences sometimes could set you up to step into what God's doing in the world because of your unique experience. So the way you kind of, these are some things to help you to think about kind of how you're wired. But here, are the, I think the two greatest tools I think that I could give you to help you discover that better we talk about it a lot. It's Christ and it's community. Jesus isn't trying to play a game with you to make your plan, his plan for you, your gifting. He's not trying to make that a, a mystery. He's not sending you on this scavenger hunt where it's really, really hard and you'll never find it. You need to let him guide you and speak to you, engaging him a lot, asking God for help. Help me understand my shape my gifting, my calling. How am I unique and how do you want to use it? I mean, if he's the one that created you, he's the best one to talk to about it. But he will often use others to help you discover this. It's Christ and community. Others who know you well. Maybe you're in a small group together. It's one of the reasons I think small groups are a great deal at Live Oak is when you're around people and they get to know you, suddenly they can see something in you. Maybe it's serving on a team. Maybe it's a family. Whoever's around you and seeing you in situations 
where God might be using you or want to be using you is where people can identify something in your life. Christ and community are the two great tools for this to help you know, use, and grow your uniqueness. But don't just do it for you. Do it for others. Help others discover that. Some of the uh, biggest turning points in my life were when somebody else said, I see something in you. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things we encourage people to have around here are these I-C-N-U conversations. The letters I-C-N-U. But it stands for the words I-C-N-U. And then you tell them what you see. Boy, you're really wise. Boy, you're a really good teacher. You are a great listener. Boy, you are great when someone's in pain. You are great at challenging people to more. You are great at equipping people to, like, like there's different things that people could say, but someone had these ICNU conversations with me that were game changers for me because it's Christ in community that helps us discover this uniqueness of who we are. Because a lot of times we lean into the wrong things about who we are instead of the things that God has planned for us. And sometimes it takes somebody else's voice because we don't always trust ours. Or we lie to ourselves and we say that we're something we're not. We just got to be truthful with who we are because when we understand authentically who we are, God gives gifts to his people and then he gives his people his gifts. One of the other tools we use is this thing we've done at staff meeting here before and I've done it in small groups before where people that know you really well, they all know each other really well. Just take a piece of paper and write your name at the top, Doug is dot, dot, dot. And then everyone just passes it around and writes three or four phrases that describe that person. And by the time it gets back to me, I can see it, Doug is, and, and when you discount all the kind of the uh, novelty uh, little <laughs> snide remarks, you go, oh, there's actually some really good insight on here. And you start seeing themes. Boy, this one comes up a lot, a lot, a lot. Boy, do that with a group of people you know really well. But I want to really focus on that ICNU conversation. What I want to challenge you to do this week is each of you to have two ICNU conversations. Have it that way. Go to someone you know well and say, you know what I see in you and talk to them about their uniqueness and challenge them to let God use that. Have two ICNU conversations or, and maybe go a step further and ask someone to say, hey, what do you see in me? How do you see me unique that God could use me? Because remember, you're a unique creation of God uniquely different, and God's thumbprints on you are his clues for his plans for you. Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's workmanship. Completely unique of how he wants to use you. We were God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And God planned ahead for you to do these. God's thumbprints on you, on his, uh, fingerprints on you are his clues for his plans for you. And they're cues to step in and be involved with what he's doing. Next week, we're going to conclude the ripple effect. And we're going to talk about uh, one guy who did that, that I see in you thing really, really well. And it made a big difference. As a matter of fact, it's still impacting us today. It caused such big ripples. But it was one simple choice, one simple invitation, a few simple words that really made a big impact in someone else's life. And maybe it could help you do the same thing in the life of others. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you'd give us a lot of clarity to understand how we're unique, by, 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 created by you. Give us the ability to discern your voice uh, and what is truth and, and to, to weed out what's a lie and what's not true about us. And God, I pray you'd give us the courage to have some I see in you conversations with others this week to challenge them, encourage them, and maybe even 
give them a, a clue to how you have plans for them because of their uniqueness. God, thanks that we're unique. Thanks that it's a good thing. Thanks that it's a God thing, and I pray you'd use it. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.